Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. And Connor, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us this afternoon. How you doing? Hey, uh, good to be here. Yeah, I, I feel like SEC Media Days always kind of creeps up on us. It's like, hey, we hit the dead of summer, and then very quickly SEC Media Days are right here, and we're just mid-season form. Yeah, it's pretty much how it feels uh, a lot of times, too. And I know with uh, the, the excitement that's surrounding a lot of teams this upcoming football season, I thought that what you put up uh, on social media dealing with Arkansas was really telling as far as how people feel about K.J. Jefferson, because you said re- returning quarterbacks who have ranked in the top 10 in the FBS and quarterback rating each of the last two years. You had Caleb Williams, who we know, Heisman Trophy winner and how great he is. You had Grayson McCall from Coastal and then you had K.J. Jefferson. Those are the only three quarterbacks that have done that. So knowing that, how are there still people that feel like K.J. Jefferson is not the best quarterback in the SEC or at least one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the SEC when the numbers speak for themselves, if you will? I think part of it is because they don't necessarily view him as this great pro prospect, and part of that hurts college guys in the way that they're discussed, which is kind of dumb because we should be able to appreciate it for what it is. And I, I think we do a better job in college basketball of appreciating college guys for who they are in college, not worrying about what they are at the next level, because that doesn't always translate. And I'm not saying it will or it won't with KJ, but he doesn't have that highly regarded feeling that a lot of people are talking about part of that because of the scheme that he played in. I think people want to see him throw the football a little bit more, which you should be able to do this year with Danino's. But I, I think some of it is because, of the year that Arkansas had last year, if they had gone to a new year six bowl, if they had taken another step, I I think KJ would have been on more radars, but I I think there are still people who are of the belief that like, okay, he's, he's solid. He's fine, but he's not a game changer quarterback. And and to me, I I see some of the plays that he makes within a game. And I'm like, that that guy is a game changer. There, There are so few people that can do some of the things that he does and the way that he can, the way that he can shake off defenders to make a throw, the way that he can break a guy down in the open field once he hits the second level, like there are just not that many guys that can do all the things that KJ can do. And even if he isn't necessarily making high-level NFL throws yet, to me, I just think he's a tremendous player. And I think if you're sleeping on him as one of the better quarterbacks in college football, you're you're, you're very much in the wrong in this argument. Are there certain throws that KJ needs to be able to make for people to view him in a different sense? Because he does throw the deep ball well, but you have to. Everybody has to work in sync for that to to work anyway. With the receiver getting separation and him placing the ball right where it needs to be. So, what are they? What more are they looking for from KJ to be thought of more highly when it comes to being a pro prospect? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is okay. You're you're working through your progression. That's that's a big thing that they like to be able to see at the next level. Are you hitting your first read or are you not? You know, people talk a lot about Henry Hooker and why the scheme that he played in with Josh Heupel. It, it always had the first read open, and Henry Hooker wasn't necessarily somebody who had to work through his second or third project uh, progression as much. And, and with KJ, it's, it's definitely a different offense that that he plays in. But I, I think the question is okay. Is he getting to that that level where he's really breaking down a defense and doing so that way, or is a lot of that happening pre-snap and you're making those determinations very quickly 
within a, within a given play. I think that's kind of the processing that they want to see. And this offense this year is going to be able to lend itself to that a little bit more than it did with Danny Nose. And if they're, or it should with Danny Nose more so than it did with Kendall Bryles. And if you're playing at a, a little bit more of a, of a pro level pace and you're not going at that tempo, then perhaps we're going to view that a little bit differently than we did last year. So I think that's kind of what they're going to look at with him. And they want to see him making those anticipation throws and being able to, you know, look off a safety over the top and drop it in a bucket, just things like that that I think KJ can do to help himself as he's viewed as a, as an NFL prospect. You know, you spoke, spoke about the offense with Dan Enos, which I think people feel like it's going to be all right. Cause he's been in the sec. He's been here at Arkansas before and has had success, but uh, it, the variations of offenses that go into the SEC in general, I've always find it fascinating when some people say, hey, this offense will work, but this offense won't work with this type of players. you got to have this type of personnel and this type of roster and everything. Do you feel like sometimes that's a little bit overblown when it comes to people who are, quote, systems or uh, players that, uh, quote, may have a, a great offense because of the coach? Because I feel like if you got great players, you'll make it work. If you got a great quarterback, you'll make it work, regardless of what the offense truly looks like. But what do you make of the different systems of offense and the different quarterbacks that fit those systems in the SEC, especially this upcoming season? Yeah, I'm old enough to remember when people said the old that that the the Mike Leach air raid would never work in the SEC, and I'm like, what were you talking about? Like 25 years ago, that was what Kentucky ran with in couch, and it was. Uh, something that that I think you have to tell the story you have to see with when you talk about how mommy and what they were doing there, and uh, you know now that Mike Leach is unfortunately no longer with us, you know I, I think there there is a lack of extreme offenses in the SEC, and a lot of them kind of take bits and pieces of what everybody else is doing and apply it to their own offenses. But no, I mean I think a lot of different things can work in the SEC. I don't think there's necessarily like that one specific offense that you have to be able to run because. You know, we've seen very various levels of success. I think with Arkansas, being a little bit more balanced and having that approach, it's going to help you if you have a quarterback that can handle it. I think given where KJ was as a first-year starter two years ago, it made a lot of sense that was going to be the way to maximize the potential of that team and to not necessarily take those chances. I think this year they're going to have to take more chances. That's the biggest thing that I'd like to be able to see with this new system is having KJ be willing to say, like, all right, you know what? I might throw an interception here. I might throw an interception there. Sometimes you kind of need that. And I feel like there are points where you're going to have to be able to take those chances because defensively maybe maybe you're not having that type of day. And with all the questions we have on that side of the ball for Arkansas this year, I think that we're going to need to see them kind of tap into a different gear. And, you know, this system is ultimately what's going to determine how good Arkansas is and if they're able to bounce back. Arkansas has a strong running game, and at times KJ is used as part of that running game. And uh, there's something to be said for KJ to be protected a little bit more and not necessarily running as much. That is part of the game, and if the play breaks down, of course you want to see him take over with his talents there. But, um, you know, talking about this passing game, I think it kind of excites people to think that there'll be more of that as opposed to, the running so much where they'll there are those design runs for KJ. Yeah, you got you got to keep him healthy. I mean, if KJ's not healthy this year. Like we talk all we want about backups here and there, and there was there was a lot of buzz about Malik Cornsby and that skill set. And then you kind of saw in that game against LSU of what you can go against in a given week and how it's great if you have a guy that has certain skills 
But man, it is just so difficult to, to win this in this league, especially at the level that Arkansas would like to be able to. You got to keep KJ healthy, and in order to keep him healthy, I, I think that you have to, to to cut back on some of that a little bit. I mean, there there's just a a very difficult learning curve for anybody that steps into his shoes and is going to try and do all the things that he can, and, and that's really what you need to be able to make this offense go. And you talk about the loaded boxes that that Rocket Sanders would see if KJ were to go down. But one of the things that I like so much about what Dan Eels is going to do is he's going to give KJ some uh, some chances to have traditional handoffs and not have those RPO handoffs where he's taking unnecessary hits on plays that he's not even the, the primary ball carrier and he's giving the rock up. So, yeah, I, I think that there should be a, a better chance for KJ to stay upright because we saw last year he got banged up, and it feels just inevitable when you're operating an offense like that. So, yeah, hopefully K.J. gets to play an entire season, and we don't have to necessarily wonder what the backup situation looks like. Well, Connor, I hate to even like put it this way because it sounds so cliche and lame, but it's like with you saying that about K.J., and I agree with you, is he the most important quarterback in the SEC to his team? Because, listen, anytime you have uh, your starter out – there's an impact. There's a reason why you have a starter, and there's a reason why you have backups. But just because of group Criswell, he may be capable or whoever, it, it seems like, hey, this season's going to go as K.J. Jefferson goes. So is he the most important player or at least the most important quarterback to his team in the SEC this year? I'd say he and Devin Leary at Kentucky. Those are the two most important. Where I look at their backup situation, it's like, hey, that, that doesn't really give me a lot of confidence. Whereas I think you could look at, you know, if you look at, the, the three powers in the SEC, if you look at, I mean, you can even include Tennessee in this conversation. You know, you could send, you could say, like, all right, so if let, let's talk about Bama's backup situation. Well, Bama doesn't have a whole lot of separation at the top. They just added Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame to have a fifth scholarship quarterback there. Carson Beck, we think he's going to be a stud at Georgia, but oh, you've got Brock Vandegrift waiting in the wing. Tennessee, you have a, a situation in which you have, you know, like, Nico Iamaliava, who comes in as a recruit that's just behind that's just behind Arch Manning. I mean, LSU, they've got, got Garrett Nussmeyer as your backup. He threw for like 300 yards in the second half against Georgia. Yeah, so you can go up and down the SEC. You can find those those differences. And I look at Arkansas and I say, yeah, KJ goes down, this season changes, and this is a very different road. How would you rank the top five quarterbacks in the SEC? Wait, say that, say that again. So Sorry about top, that. I your had, your I top five quarterbacks in the SEC, how would you rank them? Yeah, I have KJ at one. I have, um, gosh, uh, who do I have at two right now? I think I, I'd probably still go with Leary at two. I, I think people are overlooking what he was at NC State a couple years ago and before he got hurt last year. I would still only have Jaden Daniels at third. I'd probably have like Will Rogers at four and then maybe Spencer Rattler at five. That's probably how I'd go right now. So that's interesting that four of your five played in the SEC last year. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of have to, to prove it to be able to, to do that. I, I think that's kind of what we're looking at. And I think why this conversation is, is interesting because it feels very different last than last year when we're coming in with Bryce Young, with Hennon Hooker, and, and I think you looked up and down the conference, even Seth and Bennett, and it felt like you had a much better idea of how this was going to go. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what year uh, you could go back and, and kind of compare it to this year where there's just a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uh, okay, but 
could be good, and then there's maybe a good, could be great, but maybe it, this year in the quarterbacks, I'm not saying it's going back to the days of where the SEC literally had no quarterbacks ever, just a bunch of game managers during the you know mid to late 2000s, it seemed like. But uh, it does have that vibe of like, man, this could end up being a, a year where at the end of it, the all SEC teams come out and the first and second teams are two guys that maybe no one really expected it to be at the end of the day. Could very much happen. If Carson Beck is first team all SEC guy, it would not would not surprise me in the slightest. I think, you know, you you look up and down the conference and you can see like, okay, is there is there a path in which we're we're talking about, I don't know, even Spencer Rattler taking that next step? Absolutely. I, I think that there are a lot of different guys that maybe maybe Auburn with Hugh Freeze, like Hugh Freeze cranking out an all SEC quarterback, that that isn't necessarily surprising. Of course, if Peyton Thorne has that type of year, are, are we really going to be like, wow, this is this was something that we saw coming? Probably not, but it does feel like very much it's up for grabs, and it feels like KJ should be a guy who's in position, at least in my opinion, to have the best path being an all SEC quarterback this year. Who has the the better options at quarterback between Bama and and A and M? We know that Bama, we've seen that they have at least one quarterback that has some SEC experience, but he would be a new starter, and, uh, you know, the competition is up for debate there. And then A&M, there's a lot of uncertainty with them, but they have a new offensive coordinator in Bobby Petrino. So who have, between those two teams, who has the better quarterback situation? Uh, give me Connor Wigman. I, I'd, I'd like A&M's situation a little bit better, which is weird to say about Bama, but – I just think that the fact that Bama added a fifth scholarship quarterback in Tyler Buckner, a guy that I'm not particularly sold on, I think that kind of speaks to the desperation right now and not really feeling great about Jalen Monroe, not feeling as good about Ty Simpson, hoping that spring was going to sort of squash the quarterback's decision, and it did not. And instead, at Anum, they have a situation where you have, I mean, basically, like you have uh, you have a guy that, that comes in that, that finally got to run a system that made sense and they looked really good against LSU and won that game convincingly in College Station. And they showed some really good things down the stretch. So I expect Connor Wigman with Bobby Petrino to kind of be that guy this year. Well, before we let you get out of here, you, you wrote a really interesting article. And speaking of Bobby Petrino, of course, we, we went into depth yesterday about the tragic passing of Ryan Mallett, a former Arkansas great. And you went through a list of 10 quarterbacks who won the breakup from former coaches, essentially like with Ryan Mallett, leaving Michigan because Rich Rodriguez was coming in and uh, Ryan Mallett in Arkansas ended up being the beneficiary and Rich Rodriguez in Michigan. We know how that pulled out. So uh, just kind of give us a little preview of that list and uh, and sparking that and how incredible it is to see some of those players that ended up merely making the best of it and making the right decision by getting out of the coaching situation and the team situation that they were in previously. Yeah, Ryan Mallett's a great example of that with the way that it played out with, with Rich Rod at Michigan, how awkward that dynamic was when he comes on board. Ryan Mallett's like, I'm a pro passer. I'm getting out of here. I know what kind of system that you run. There's a lot of situations that you could look at in college football. Russell Wilson at NC State's the one that comes, that comes to mind. <laughs> and having a head coach who's like, wait a minute, you want to go play baseball in the spring? I'm not on board with that. Uh, we have no problem with letting you leave. And then he ends up being, obviously, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Wisconsin goes to a Rose Bowl. I think Justin Fields of Georgia is one that comes to mind in recent memory and the way that played out with Kirby Smart. And not necessarily that he didn't start as a true freshman, but just that he didn't necessarily get used and get to throw in, in, in some of those late-game situations in the way that I think he would have liked. And then, you know, you could go to even a more recent example, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State. That's one where 
Herm Edwards and Jaden Daniels were apparently on the same page. And then, you know, they go into the offseason. They're not going to pursue Spencer Rather in the transfer portal. They end up having a, a situation where Jaden Daniels is like, nah, I got to leave. I feel like you're, you're going to be, you know, maybe on the hot seat or something like that next season. He goes to LSU. They end up winning the division. Obviously, they beat Bama, and he has a great season. So I, I think that you could look at situations like this that Ryan Mallett kind of paves the way for. And it is interesting to kind of break that down because everybody thinks that they're going to win this breakup. Every quarterback thinks that they're going to win it, and that doesn't obviously necessarily end up being the case. Yeah, it's always one of those deals. And, man, thank goodness that uh, Rich Rodriguez is what was hired at Michigan and he wasn't hired at Alabama because of that whole thing. That it just the, – the uh, what do they call it? The uh, – the like just basically a thing in time that had so much impact, the butterfly effect, so much impact on the games yeah. themselves and, and how it changed it all. But, uh, yeah, great stuff. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, folks, be sure to do so on SaturdayDownSouth.com. Connor O'Gara, writer for Saturday Down South. Appreciate it as always, my man, and look forward to catching up with you down at SEC Media Days in Nashville. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys.